This is the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 1067. My interview with Lion Goodman, and we're discussing beliefs. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Lion, welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be here. Um, beautiful weather today here on the Sunshine Coast. I hope it is the same where you are. It is. We're in California, and it's uh, quite beautiful outside. Yeah, nice. Very nice. I um, it's probably similar temperatures over there at uh, at the summer times, but um, I guess you're coming into into winter or we in winter. Mm. Yes, we are. Um, mate, so talk to us. I mean, you've had a um fairly horrific sort of experience at a young age. Um, do you mind sharing some of the information about that? No, I don't mind. That's uh, often a topic of conversation because mm. it is dramatic, at least. Yeah. Uh, when I was 26 years old. I picked up a fellow whose car had broken down in the middle of the Mojave Desert, which I was driving through from Las Vegas to Los Angeles. And mm. uh, he was a young man, quite troubled. His car had broken down. He didn't have any money, didn't have much of an education. And I sort of took him under my wing and uh, over a three-day period grew to trust him and uh, sent him out on errands for me while I was selling my wares through to stores. Yeah. Uh, so we he'd gas up the car or get it washed or organize things. And uh, uh, at night we'd camp out somewhere because it was a big camper van. He'd sleep outside, I'd sleep inside. And the third night out, uh, we were sort of moving, I was moving things around in the back of the van. He was at the front of the van listening to music. And suddenly there was an explosion and something hit me in the head. And I, at first I thought the gas stove had exploded for some reason, but but I looked up and it was intact. And then when I looked to my left, there he was with a gun pointed at my head. Mm. And I realized I'd been hit by a bullet. Right. And uh, so that was quite shocking, as you can imagine. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so um, my first thought was that he was warning me and that he wanted my stuff. And at that point, I, I, I was thinking, yeah, put me outside naked. That's fine. Take it all. You know, it's like, it's, mm. I have a problem with you taking everything I own. Um, but then he shot again and I realized that I wasn't, he wasn't warning me he was going to kill me. And so here I am 26 years old, um, a degree in consciousness studies, couldn't find a job in consciousness. <laughs> so uh -huh. I ended up as salesman and, uh, suddenly I'm about to die. Right. They shot you so four times in the head to what, basically take your stuff and run. That was the idea. Uh, hmm. but I, I fooled him. I think uh, the second and the second and third bullets uh, missed me. The fourth bullet hit me, um, but by that time I was out of my body and looking with point consciousness around 360 degrees and seeing these two little people in a van playing out this little drama, uh, and I was quite amused by the whole thing. Uh, and then when the fourth bullet hit, so tell me, us about so that. So you actually had an out of body experience? Oh yes, I was quite out of body. I was ready to go home. Uh, that's oh. how I thought about it, is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I knew enough about death and dying that I didn't want to die with anger or upset. So I went through my past and I asked forgiveness of all those I had hurt. I asked, I forgave all those who had hurt me, including him. I was mm -hmm. filled with this love and light from the from source. And then I was out of my body, you know, doing this process of getting ready to to be dead. Um, and when the fourth bullet hit me, I was suddenly back in my body. And I, I thought that was strange. Um, but I was looking around my body because I knew my body quite well. Uh, 
and looking for like what's missing. Like if the bullet had gone through my brain, some part of me would be missing or disabled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, because I couldn't find anything. So I thought, well, if I'm going to die, I, I want to at least look my assassin in the eyes. And so I picked up my head and I turned to the left where he was uh, behind the, the, the driver's seat. And um, he freaked out. And he jumped up and he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't know the answer to that question. So I just said, here I am, because I was still in this love, light, bliss place. Uh, and uh, he's, then he said, it's too weird, man. It's too weird. It was just like my dream this morning. And I thought that was odd. So I said, what dream? He said, I, was, I dreamt I was shooting at this guy and he wouldn't die, but it wasn't you. It was somebody else in the dream. And at that point, I thought, okay, who wrote this script? Why didn't I sign a contract to get paid for acting in this movie? <laughs> it was mm. a very, it was like really weird. Uh, so, um, at that point, I realized, okay, well, he, something's strange here. I'm, I've been shot. I'm sitting here bleeding, and he's freaking out. Yeah. And so I thought if I could talk to him, if I could keep him talking, he might not shoot me again. So mm. I began asking him questions, and he was freaked out. He was jumping around the van, looking out the windows. We were in the middle of nowhere. Nobody could have heard the shots anyway. Um, um, but and he was all adrenalated. So I just spoke very slowly to him and said, you know, what what's going on? What's happening? Trying to get him to talk. And he kept saying, shut up, shut up. Why aren't you dead? I shot you four times, man. Why aren't you dead? Um, and eventually he kind of quieted down. And at some point he got concerned. He, he came up to me with a gun in his hand mm. and he, he said, does it hurt? And I knew something had shifted because now he was expressing care. Mm. Uh, and I said, well, yeah, it hurts, but I think I'm okay. And after some more exchanges, he said, okay, man, I'm, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And I thought that was a good idea. So I said, <laughs> we're fine. And he kind of put some stuff around me so I couldn't jump jump him, you know. And, and he, he got in the driver's seat and he started driving. And so I had like a half an hour or so to think about what had just happened. Uh, here Where in the head did he shoot you? Where in the head? Well, I didn't know. Uh, mm. I, the, my head hurt at the top yeah. of my head, uh, but I didn't know where the bullets had gone. Um, and it's because I felt intact. And yeah. so he drove He drove for about a half an hour and then he stopped the van. And I knew that we weren't near a hospital because there were no bright lights. And there was a few minute pause and he kind of slowly walked back to where I was sitting and he sat down and he said, uh, I, I can't take you to the hospital, man. I have to kill you. And I said, oh, why is that? <laughs> get, get curious, right? When, when I know, If anything's happening, you don't understand, get curious. And he said, because if, if I take you to the hospital, they'll put me back in jail. I can't go back to jail, man. And I realized, oh, not only is this a crazy person with a gun, it's a crazy ex-con with a gun. Mm. Uh, complicated things a little bit. Um, but I said, well, maybe I don't have to you know, maybe I don't have to turn you in. He said, no, man, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. Anyway, this ensued into another conversation uh, where we couldn't quite find common ground. And I was in this very cramped position on the floor. And, and so I said, you know, I'd like to get out and stretch. He said, okay, don't do anything funny. I went, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so I got out of the van and kind of stretched out for the first time in, in uh, many hours. The sun had ro risen and I heard birds singing and it was the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. 
because it was, I was reborn and I didn't have to go through the diaper stage, which was really great. Mm. Uh, and uh, so he pointed down to a pond down below where we were parked. And so I walked down and he was walking behind me with a gun. And as I was walking down, I thought, well, you know, he could shoot me in the back and push me into the water. That's possible. But at the same time, I felt uh, invincible in some way. Um, and so I washed the blood off my face and stood back up and turned toward him. And he sort of held out the gun to me. And he said, what would you do if I gave you this gun? And I said, well, I'd toss it out into the water there. And he said, you wouldn't shoot me? You wouldn't try to kill me? I said, no, why should I do that? I've got my life. You've got yours. We're okay. And he looked at me with a very quizzical look on his face. And he said, man, you are the weirdest person I've ever met. And I thought, not oh, probably the weirdest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> you know? hmm. uh, because I was still in this place of light and love and he was included in it. It was like, it was, you know, it was, it was a new day and a new dawn and what the heck, you know, we're, we're two human beings. Hmm. So we went, we walked back into the van and then more conversation. So we ended up talking a total of about eight hours. Uh, and uh, um, eventually we came to an agreement because he was he was trying to figure out how to let me go and I would let him go. Mm. And so we finally agreed that uh, uh, I would not turn him in and he would never do anything like that again. Yeah. We shook on it. We shook hands. And then he drove to a place that he knew and he got out of my van and took all of his belongings. And uh, I walked with him to the bus stop where he was and shook his hand and said goodbye. And he kept looking at me like I was the weirdest person he had ever met. Uh, and I walked back to my van and I drove to the hospital and uh, had my head examined, which was much needed at the time. And uh, the doctor who was suturing me up said, you know, asked me what happened. I told him, he said, well, you're a lucky man. Two bullets bounced off your skull. And I knew I knew that wasn't luck. It was it was blessed. I was a blessed man. So that began a, a new life for me. At the age of twenty six. Yeah, the age of twenty six. Wow. So you had previously studied consciousness. I uh, had, so. in fact, uh, my my got my bachelor's degree in consciousness studies uh, from the University of Colorado. Mm. I, I had made that degree up myself uh, in what they called the experimental studies program. Uh, so I had created it and made it a, a degree. Yeah. And so I'd studied everything. I'd studied philosophy and psychology and the brain, neurology, and um, uh, all kinds of things, mime and dance, and like whatever I was interested in. That's what I put together as my degree. So I got to just really create my own education. And, yeah. uh, and then I had this degree in consciousness studies and this was in 1975. So, you know, it was brand new. In fact, I, I, I haven't found anyone that got a degree earlier than that in that field. I think I might have been the first to get a degree in that field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting uh, experience for you at such a young age. I mean, how do you, um, I mean, you sound very positive about it all. And at the time, even you sounded very conscious of being positive in that experience. How do you bounce back from such an experience? Well, I teach a lot about trauma now because trauma is trauma is everywhere. People are talking about it. Finally, um, trauma doesn't have to be traumatic. It doesn't have to be like being beaten or shot. Mm. Uh, a trauma for a child can be being ignored or treated like an object or treated like a slave or just not not cared for. 
so there's all kinds of trauma. Um, but one of the things that causes trauma is the, is suppression. We take whatever pain we're in and we suppress it because it's too overwhelming to feel. Yeah. And that suppression is what keeps it stuck. And so I actually was fully present to my entire experience over that those three days and the, the eight intense hours. I didn't lose consciousness. I didn't go into any other state. I didn't suppress the pain. I felt it as it was happening. Uh, I wanted to feel it fully and and you know die while awake, not not die uh, in some other way. Yeah. Uh, and so there really wasn't much residual trauma for me because no. I had processed it all as it was happening. Uh, so um, that I mean, it took me a few weeks to kind of put my mind back together because it was my mind was blown, not just my head. Um, but there wasn't any residual trauma left over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you talk a lot about trauma and, and helping people with their beliefs, right? Yes. So is that sort of the journey you went on after this experience for yourself? Well, interestingly, um, I needed, I didn't want to be on the road selling anymore. That, that was yeah. out. That's <laughs> sure. like I had enough of that. Uh, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to get a job. I didn't know what job to get. So I went to a recruiting agency uh, to find a job and they offered me a job as a recruiter. And that sounded interesting. I'd have a desk job instead of being on the road. So I became a recruiter, um, which is also called a headhunter, which is kind of strange having just had my head hunted to become a headhunter. Mm. Mm. But I did. And, and that turned out to be a 25-year career. Um, I worked my way up until I was placing CEOs and vice presidents and uh, of co companies around uh, the United States. And... Right. Um, but at the same time, I had gotten reinterested in consciousness. It's like, wow, I was out of my body. I did not have a body and I was conscious. So yeah. that was that was a basic belief. I am my body. That was no longer a belief. I am not my body. Uh, and so I, I studied with many, many different teachers, many diff different disciplines. I took self-development workshops. Uh, I studied with with uh, shamans and with gurus and and. Uh, uh, and so I was on a constant hunt for understanding myself and other people. Mm. Why do we do the things we do? What is the nature of human nature? Why did that man who grew up in his environment end up as a criminal? And why did I, in my environment, end up as a consciousness freak? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so I really was looking for answers to try to understand myself and other people. And that's what all the while I was making a really good living as a headhunter. So I had the, the time and the money to, to explore those. To things. do that on the side. Yeah. Yep. Fairly important. So talk to us about consciousness and beliefs. Um, how do we work through these things? Yeah. Um, most people, when they think about beliefs, uh, think about statements that they believe are true. Like um, uh, there is a God or there isn't a God or, um, uh, politics is evil or, uh, um, you know, I, I believe I'll have another beer. Mm. <laughs> so so um, those are mental constructs. And what I discovered in all of my searching was that beliefs go much deeper than simply a mental construct that we believe is true. Uh, they're right. actually infrastructure of the human mind in the same way that the brain is made of neurons. The yep. mind is made of beliefs. And these are patterns we put together starting while we're still in the womb to understand how to get along in life. 
Yeah. Now, a lot of beliefs are neutral, like that is a cat. Doesn't have much charge on it. It's like, that's a cat. It's a fact. We call it a fact. Um, but beliefs about the self, like uh, there's something wrong with me or I'm a terrible right. person. Yeah. Those are beliefs that have a really negative impact. Hmm. And then there's positive beliefs, uh, beliefs like look both ways before you cross the street. That's not only a good belief for a child, it's a good belief for all of us. Otherwise, yeah. we get hit by buses. Yeah. Um, or positive beliefs like I can do anything I set my mind to. That's mm. a very positive belief. It has a positive impact. So our beliefs create our reality by filtering the world, filtering reality through these structures um, that help us negotiate life. And if you have enough negative beliefs, you don't do very well in life. And if you have enough positive beliefs, you can do very well. Mm. So that got me really interested. And so I started studying beliefs themselves. Where do they come from? How do they function? Uh, how can we change them? I tried lots of different change techniques. But like most workshops and trainings or even reading books, it, you know, it, you felt a little better for a while, but then it faded away. You went back yeah. to your old habits, right? And most people have had that experience if they've taken a workshop or studied with a teacher or something. Um, but sometimes there was a big shift, like, you know, I'm not my body. That was a big shift. Right? Yeah, yeah. It changed everything about my awareness. And, uh, and through all these workshops, there were times when I suddenly had a big shift. And so I started studying them. What did they have in common? What is it that creates transformation, not just a little change? What? And what I realized is that they were multidimensional. They impacted all aspects of me, my my physical self, my emotional self, my mental self, my spiritual self, my my relational self, um, you know, my relationship to the world and the environment. Mm. So um, so that's what I discovered is that believe that we are multidimensional beings. We exist in many dimensions at once. Our experiences are multidimensional. And our beliefs come from our experiences. So our beliefs are also multidimensional. They have many dimensions to them. And most belief change techniques are one dimensional, maybe two dimensional. Like you can change your mind. Okay, I'm going to think something different. I'm going to say an affirmation, for example. Um, and so you're trying to, to change a belief from the outside in by saying yeah. something over and over, but it doesn't really change what's in the subconscious mind, which is the original program. Right. Or you can, you can beat on a pillow and express your emotions or learn how to communicate better. These are outside in solutions, but they don't necessarily impact the other aspects, the spiritual self or the physical self. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, when you, when you work with all aspects of the self and you clear a belief from all of them at once, then it goes away. Then it never comes back. And then you can plant in a positive belief in its place that then has the ability to grow and blossom and bear fruit. So mm -hmm. that's that's my big breakthrough. And so I, I now train coaches, therapists, and healers around the world in this methodology for rapid and permanent transformational and therapeutic change. Yeah. The uh, idea of affirmations, um, is, I mean, is that a, a still a good process to try and change those beliefs or is it? Is there, are there better ways to, to do this? Well, I, I had to research affirmations because they're so popular and they work so badly. Do they? <laughs> I actually, I felt they were. 
I mean, I do affirmations all the time and I, I really feel a positive experience from them. Well, you do feel a positive experience. The question is, does it last? Or do you have to keep saying the affirmation? I've got to keep keep doing it. Yeah. Right, right. So if you, if it was a true transformation, you wouldn't even have to say it anymore because it that that new belief would be in you so completely that you the right. opposite would Makes not sense. even come up, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I discovered. So affirmations came uh, out of a book from the uh, early 1900s yeah. Uh, where we talked about saying positive statements over and over again, like a jackhammer hitting a brick wall. Yeah. And this was the idea. Eventually, the brick wall will fall. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is in the subconscious mind, whenever you say a positive statement, it automatically stimulates older beliefs to come up and reassert themselves because you're disagreeing with them. So yeah. you say, I'm, I'm, I'm losing 10 pounds this month. And immediately what you hear is, oh, come on, you've never lost 10 pounds in your life in a month. And besides, you you, you know, you, you have this wedding two weeks from now, and you're not going to be able to be on a diet in a wedding. And, you know, forget it. Don't even bother. You got that chocolate cake in the refrigerator. You have to eat that first. Right. So you hear all <laughs> these counter beliefs yeah. because you've stimulated them with your new creation, your new belief. So until you clear out the old beliefs the new belief can't really take root. It's like, kind throwing, of bit, you know. hmm. it's like throwing seeds on rocky, weedy ground. Yeah. Well, I've, I'll just throw more seeds on the rocky, weedy ground. You're not going to grow much. But if you clear the rocks and weeds from the soil, you turn over the soil, and then you plant your seeds in fresh garden soil, mm -hmm. now something can grow and blossom and flower and fruit. Yeah. So that's the principle, is that you know trying to put new positive beliefs on top of old beliefs is like putting... Uh, a lotion on top of cancer you know it, it it's, makes it feel better for a minute but yeah. it doesn't really get to the root of the problem hmm. so how do we go about clearing those older beliefs then uh -huh. this is the work that we need to do <laughs> that is the work we all need to do and that is what i teach and that is that is my big breakthrough is because in my methodology we actually go in and clear that old belief completely from the psyche and then it's not there anymore. It actually doesn't come back. Is that through hypnosis or something? Or uh, no, it's not hypnosis. Uh, we don't put people in trance. I I don't think trance is needed. What we do do is we take people on imaginal inner journeys to find the root, the source of the belief. So, for example, um, I'll give you a great example. I was working with a, a multimillionaire. And he was a multimillionaire because he had made millions and lost million, millions and made more millions and lost more millions and made more. This, and he was tired of the pattern. And he came to me and said, you know, I, I, I don't know what's causing this pattern, but I want to get rid of it. So using my process, I took him back in time into his memory system. There's a particular way we do that. And suddenly he remembered being three years old, walking on the streets of New York with his mother, holding her hand. And he looked down and he saw a shiny penny on the ground and he got very excited and he reached down to pick it up and his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that. It's dirty. Mm. He suddenly realized with my help that that program, that, that belief that money is dirty and you shouldn't touch it was actually causing him to lose the millions over and over again, because he was very good at making money, but yeah. he couldn't hold on to it because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. Yeah, right. So there's there's an example of the kind of uh, depth work it takes to find the very root 
of the original belief. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a conclusion that we came to when we were kids. Sometimes it's something that was told to us when we were a kid. It's almost always in the past. It could also be from a trauma later in life because traumas can create uh, these kinds of core beliefs as well. But it's usually a childhood pattern that, that we so can usually from and, what zero to eight years old or something like that, that sort of age yeah, bracket. That, yeah. That's yeah. And sometimes even earlier than zero, sometimes it's in right. the womb. Yeah. How would you go back beyond that? You, we can go back. In fact, a, a lot of people have memories of past lives in our yeah. work. Uh, we don't talk about it as a big deal because we're not, we're, you know, we don't do regressions. We just invite people to look at the root of whatever is going on and they find it themselves. And sometimes they're suddenly in a different place in a different time and something's happening that's creating a belief that came in mm. with them. Uh, you find these beliefs um, can be, um, yeah, from past lives and that? I mean, is that? Yeah, it appears. I, I don't. Things to be passed um, on in our genetics. It, it, yeah, it appears. Well, it appears to come in with our soul. I would say, uh, not. It, there's also genetic beliefs. Um, we inherit traumas and beliefs from from our grandparents and great grandparents. Yeah, I've heard uh, that. Yeah, like fears and things we're you know but, fearful of. Absolutely, it's called epigenetic, right. the genetic level. But but even if you think of like parents who were brought up in in, in the Holocaust or in war their their fears get passed down to their children and their grandchildren they've now done experiments with rats where they traumatize a rat that rat has babies the babies are raised without trauma but yet they have genetic markers that show that they've been traumatized and then they grow up and have babies pups and those pups have the same genetic marker and so does the fourth the fourth generation mm. so genetically trauma can be passed down to at least four generations it's well, yeah. crazy no? So that um, getting through to the, I mean, where do we like, how do you identify if you do have a limiting belief? Is it because you can't achieve a certain thing or? Well, if something's happening that you don't like in your life and it's happening repeatedly, right? it's based on a, one of the a limiting infrastructure belief. beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And the beliefs okay. can be subtle. And the first two years of our life, uh, we are putting the world together in our mind, but we don't have language yet. And so many mm. beliefs are pre-verbal. They actually came in before we had words. So we have to get to them through a different method. We get to them through body sensations and feelings rather than through words. Uh, and so we can clear a, a sensation or a, what we call an experiential conclusion. Uh, for example, a baby might uh, come to the conclusion, uh, if I cry and make a fuss, I'll be taken care of. That's yeah. how we put it in language, but the baby's not thinking in terms of words. The baby's just seeing it as a pattern. If I cry and make a fuss, I get taken care of. Now, that's a really good belief for a baby. Uh, it's not very good for an adult. And when you, most of us know at least one adult who is still using that methodology to get attention. Mm. Um, at some point, you're supposed to outgrow it. But beliefs don't automatically expire like meat at the meat counter. They, keep, they just get shoved down into the subconscious mind. So you might, you know, you might be going along as an adult and something happens and suddenly you're crying and making a fuss and wondering how the hell, where the hell that come from <laughs> and where it came from is something got stimulated from yeah. that old belief that's that. still there mm. in the subconscious mind. And now suddenly you're reacting like a baby. Uh, and so th that's how things show up. If something shows up that's sudden, 
uh, and causes great stress, uh, or if there's a repeated pattern of stress, there's a belief somewhere underneath. Right. It must be, um, maybe not always, but I would imagine most times, hard to to get to the root belief uh, for you, you know, going, I mean, maybe not because you've got the experience, but I assume to get that sort of belief out of someone takes some some work. And a lot of people would have blocks from preventing that to come to the surface, perhaps. That's exactly right, Lee. Um, there, it's difficult to find them yourself because of the structure of the mind. We we repress them for a good reason. And it's hard to convince yourself that you should open up those boxes that you right. closed long ago. That's why we use facilitators. So I train coaches to do this with people. Yeah. Uh, we call it the a trauma-informed therapeutic coaching method, uh, where we're going, where the, uh, the coach can guide you into those very old memories mm. so that you can discover it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Do um where do people go to to learn more about your work? I know you've got a number of books out there as well, which I'll stick in the links for um everyone listening today. Great. Um, let's see. So if people want to read my story about my near death experience, uh, you can find out a lot about me at liongoodman.com. Mm-hmm. If uh, you're a coach, healer, therapist, consultant, and you want to learn this methodology to help your clients, go to clearbeliefs.com. Yep. And if you'd like, if you'd like to get coaching for yourself and clear your beliefs with a, with one of our extraordinarily gifted coaches, uh, you go to clearyourbeliefs.com. A few links there. We'll stick them in the show notes for everyone to to check out. Great, um, Lion. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. It's great to talk to you, Lee. I really appreciate you having me on your show, and uh, best wishes, uh, especially holidays coming up. Holidays. I hope yeah, your holidays you too. are. Hope your holidays are good and uh, that you get through them with uh, peace and harmony. And a little bit of joy. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lion. And everyone listening, make sure you check out thehiddenwhy.com for all the links um, to our conversation today so you can connect with Lion and find out more about how you can overcome some of your limiting beliefs. Thank you. And until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do 
everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martin Lutze. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.